Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to The World According to Ruffin. In this episode, we're going to talk about the idea of nature versus nurture. Which one is more of an effect? Which is more important? And does it even matter? So recently, I was reading Mary Shelley's book, Frankenstein, and one particular scene caught my attention because I feel that it's the most extreme example of how someone can be negatively nurtured, and there was obviously a tremendous effect on the creature after this experience. The creature was attempting to help a little girl who had fallen into a stream, and after the person she was with saw the creature, they immediately ran away in fear. However, Frankenstein's creation wanted to make sure that the little girl was okay. But, quote, when the man saw me draw near, he aimed a gun which he carried at my body and fired. I sank into the ground, and my injurer, with increased swiftness, escaped into the wood, end quote. To me, I feel that being shot is one of the worst things that could happen to someone. Not only does it obviously cause a myriad of medical issues, but it also implies that the person who shot you would be okay with you dying, and knowing that can have drastic effects on the human, or in this case, creature's, psyche. I decided I wanted to dive deeper into this topic and see if I could figure out what is more important or impactful on people, the way they're treated or the way they are naturally. To start off my investigation, I decided to look into some of the most notorious serial killers we've seen in America and research how they were treated in their childhood. This led me to a man named Ed Gain, who is arguably one of the most heinous serial killers in American history, not for his body count, but for what he did after he killed them. I decided to have a discussion with Miss Walker about his early life and how she thinks it affected his adulthood. Awesome. Well, before we start off, I want to give you a little bit of background of Ed Gaines' life and how he grew up, because I think it's really important to like get the whole picture of him, basically. Okay. So he grew up, his father was an alcoholic and his mother was verbally abusive, but not like screaming at them. She was actually like a devoted like Lutheran and she um, would constantly preach to the entire family. And the way it, it got to the point of abusive to where he was never allowed to leave his house except to go to school. Hmm. And she would like discourage like talking to anybody, having any friends whatsoever. Like he could only go to school and he'd come back straight after that. And it was super isolated. So he, his childhood was, was very isolated. He wasn't really talking to anybody at all, um, which you, you, you could say it led to it, um, maybe, it didn't necessarily, but he was really obsessed with his mother, mm-hmm. so um, when, he di- when she died, um, he kept all the rooms that she would be in most of the time in the house, like, boarded up, nailed up, no one was allowed to go into it, um, and at this point, his brother and father had both died, so it was just them living together when she died. So it was a rather traumatic childhood. So like very Norman Bates, like psycho. Like yeah, yeah exactly. So he's yeah. he's actually the basis for he was the mm-hmm. basis for that movie, um, and so that's just like a quick rundown of what his childhood was like. So based off of that information, um, since he was so isolated um, and he was only allowed to leave his farm to go to the school, do you think that isolation? Like was have played a contributing factor in like how his life played out. Yes. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I don't think it's the only factor, but I I'm sure that it's just not healthy for young people to be isolated um, from their peers and from other adults who might you know intervene and care for them and maybe say something on their behalf. I'm sure there were a number of times um, had people 
had more contact um, with him and understood the situation might have intervened. Um, maybe not though. You don't. You know. You never know. But um, yeah, I think isolation plays a role. Also, I don't know. Just from what I understand about the profile of serial killers, a complicated relationship with one's mother is kind of just like always there. Yeah. Um, and so, I think um, the fact that he wasn't isolated because necessary necessary um, for a necessary reason, it was something she imposed. Um, I can see some pushback against that later on or some obsessive behavior. And so actually that did, so with the obsessive behavior, after um, you know, he boarded up all his, all the rooms that she would commonly visit and like stay in after she died, and the people he actually, the women he would go on to kill all resembled his mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think this, that shows that uh, he was sort of nurtured into obsessing over people like his mother through that isolation? Or do you think, like, naturally he just tended to drift towards people that looked a certain way? I think he was uh, punishing his mother it just in a different way, like, possibly. You know? Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, um, I didn't think about it like that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah like, it was like, well, she's not around anymore, so it's a way to... It's almost like catharsis, like a different person that looks like her but still maybe the same feelings um are being expunged that way so Um, if he so if he would see that as a way of like punishing his mother why do you think he would also keep the rooms that she was always hanging out in in like perfect condition yeah i think it's complicated um i you know i wonder if what sort of punishment he received if he did not keep those rooms clean when she was alive you know, I wonder if he continued those patterns because um, he found comfort in in that in a strange way. Um, you know, I don't think I think people are complicated. Um, I think you can love and hate someone simultaneously. So speaking of that complication, one of the most chilling quotes that he has mm-hmm. about him is it goes quote When I see a pretty girl walking down the street, I think two things. One part want, wants to be real nice and sweet, the other part wonders what her head would look like on a stick, end quote. Do you think, like, the duality of that statement, like, shows, like, what do you mm-hmm. think that shows about his mental state? I, I'm interested more in that, like, he wants to be nice to her. I wonder what he even thinks that means. That would be my question. Like, what does being nice mean to you? Yeah. Um, you know, so essentially every every pretty woman he sees, he has to ask himself what kind of person he wants to be um and sometimes that's not a good person yeah um so to me what's interesting is that he even is aware of the choice that he that he knows it's a choice he's making yeah i think that's fascinating i feel like i feel like that like the fact that he knows that there are two options sort of shows that he it doesn't necessarily prove but it could indicate that he feels naturally one way, but has been taught another way. Mm-hmm. Like it could be, it could be either way. Like you could argue both both sides that he like feels that he should naturally like be a nice person, but was taught to be a mean person, or you could that he feels like he should be a mean person, but was should have been taught to be a nice person through his like mother's preaching through his childhood. Yeah, and I wonder too if so getting two different messages your whole life. One is that Jesus is love and. That you know, you, you know, be kind to one another, treat each other with respect, love each other, 
Um, but that same message being um, espoused by a woman who is controlling his entire life would create this sort of duality. After conducting my research and talking to Ms. Walker about Ed Gain, I realized how hard it was to actually come to a conclusion on whether or not nature or nurture was more prominent in people. Then I began to wonder, what if we don't study people, but dogs instead? This led me to have a conversation with my dad, a veterinarian and the owner of Crescent City Vet Hospital, about his experience with abused animals and how that affects them. To start it off, what experience do you have working with dogs that have been abused in the past or are even currently being abused? So we have a lot of patients who have been rescued from either a known abusive situation or a situation that was clearly abusive, but we don't have a history. We don't know what happened to them. So how do you tell if uh, a dog was clearly being abused? Is it in their behavior or what? It is in their behavior. It's the way they interact with other dogs and other people. And um, sometimes this manifests as submission, where they're scared. And sometimes it manifests as aggression because they're scared. So dogs react different ways to two dogs might react totally differently to the same situation depending on their personality. So have you ever had any experience with dogs that were like being abused by the owner that brought them in? I can think of one offhand. Um, how did, did you have to uh, confront the owner about that or what mm -hmm. happened? So this person brought in a dog that was emaciated, had skin problems, uh, indicative of stress and malnutrition. And the dog was fearful and the dog had been injured. So the dog came in with a broken leg and I had to ask him how that happened and got a sketchy story on that. And it was, it was clear that this person had been trying to make this dog mean for fighting purposes. They've been doing this by being abusive and withholding food and all this kind of stuff. So what did you have to do about it? So, um, I, well, that's, that's a, that's a delicate situation, right? Yeah. So the first thing I tried was to see if, uh, this owner felt like he was in a situation where he couldn't care for the dog properly and whether he wanted to try to rehome the dog. And that didn't work. And he became very defensive about it. And so then I told him I thought the dog was being mistreated. And um, told him we, we might have to get the SPCA involved. So I imagine he had a pretty intense reaction to that. And he then left the building and left the dog. So he did not want to be investigated by the SPCA. So you didn't, so you didn't have to forcefully take it from him, he just left it with you. Mm -hmm. So do you think, you mentioned that uh, your first option 
to try to persuade him was to try to rehome the dog. Mm-hmm. Do you think there becomes a point where the effects just like can't go away, or do you think rehoming it could possibly tr- train or more like nurture the dog into like being how they were gonna be and become like more of a loving, caring dog? Um, you can you can definitely turn them around. So in general, what do you think affects dogs? more in how they act do you think they act more towards their nature uh and like how they they naturally are or how like through like or do you think they act more through nurture and how they've been treated i, th- I think both of those things play a role i think you can have dogs with sunny personalities or dogs that are not gloomy i'm not sure i've ever seen a gloomy dog but Dogs that aren't very excited about things, and um, like nonchalant. Nonchalant is a good word for. That's how that's how Daniel described Bumper once. So she was out in play group. Like she wasn't she wasn't super stoked to be out there. She was like you know just kind of hanging out and just like watching everything. She was like enjoying herself, but you know she wasn't like one of the ones that's like playing the whole time. So they definitely have personalities, and then um, most dogs that are mean or vicious have been made that way. They've been made that way by, by either neglect or abuse, and um, and in the same way that they can be made that way, they can be turned around and turned into sweet, loving dogs um, that are grateful. Yeah. To have gotten out of a bad situation. So I guess in general. Um... It's it's sort of a balance in between like dogs' nature and their personalities, how they like are naturally, and then how they're treated, and then just the extent to which depends on like how much they were treated in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that's exactly right. They can, um, they can have a, like I said, that people make them mean or make them afraid, or make them vicious, and. But I don't think they want to be that way. They they learn how to be that way. They're they're forced to, and and then you can with love and attention and caring, you can turn that you can turn those things off, and um, and reverse those things. But it can take a long time. I think I think a lot of it's probably proportional to how severe the abuse and neglect has gone has has been and how long it's gone on for. Um, but uh, dogs also are very very forgiving which is I think one reason people get away with abusing them so much because they by nature they they, they put up with a lot of, yeah of, of stuff that um, they shouldn't have to yeah well it's a good thing it seems that dogs that get rescued can generally not necessarily completely reverse back to how they were but get pretty pretty close they can they could they could completely reverse yeah as long as you avoid triggers yeah as long as you identify and avoid those those triggers and sometimes those make the very best pets of all because like i said they're they're grateful yeah for for your saving them from a terrible situation and replacing it with a wonderful situation that's awesome yeah I feel that since humans are just really smart animals, one of the best ways to study ourselves and our own natural tendencies is to study the tendencies of other animals. This is what made my conversation with my dad so eye-opening. 
When I first began my research on this topic, I was under the influence that nature and nurture would play very similar roles in people, and that I wouldn't be able to draw a conclusion of which is more important or prominent. However, I have now come to the conclusion that people and animals are much more affected by how they're treated than how they are naturally. I found this to be especially true looking back on my past. I, much more than most, became the product of my environment when I was younger. I felt that I had to dress, act, and be a certain way to be accepted, and I do still think that I act based on what I see and indulge in because people have the tendency to do that. This brings me back to the idea of Frankenstein's creature being shot. I think that experience had such a big impact on the creature that it forced him to become vengeful. However, like my dad said, he could still recover, if not completely, almost all the way. Depending on how he's nurtured, of course. Thank you.